We are recording. Okay. So, welcome back to Cracks in Pomo. We have a very special guest. Hi. So, this is Brennan, the founder, editor of The Iffy, which is a, what, tri-monthly publication? Yeah, it's sort of... I haven't necessarily put um, a time frame on it yet. It's like, is it called a biannual whatever? And I'm like, well, just where we're at. I don't Mm -hmm. want any sort of... um, you know, architecture to like when this has to be out or like time frame or whatever. So at the moment, yeah, I don't know. I mean, so we have two issues out so far. Yeah. Okay. So let's start with how, like, what's the beginning? How did the idea uh, even come up to do this? I mean, there are a lot of like little elements at play. One being, um, you know, being a gay man in New York. Mm. So there's like, this is one element being a gay man in New York you know, there's an expectation of you, of how you, how you vote, what you believe, what your mm-hmm. spirituality is, uh, how you view relationships, uh, monogamy versus open, where you hang out, where you go. I've never fit into this. I've always felt on the outside uh, or on the periphery of any community that I've like touched upon, mm-hmm. um, especially being gay. Um, so there's always a frustration there. I mean, I've worked in art in New York City. Um, I've been a, an assistant to a producer at NPR and I, like, there's just like many different little things that I've done where I've always sort of felt on the outside and wanted to express myself. Mm-hmm. I've always written, um, I wrote, I don't know, written, wrote, root. Um, so there was that just purse, that personal internalized sort of frustration with expressing certain viewpoints and things like that. Um, another... Uh, element to it was there's so many things like wanting to create a career for myself I realized mm-hmm. I just like, kind of want to work for myself yeah. after working for a lot of other people in different fields real estate advertising all these things um, and so it was sort of like well what do I enjoy most it's like expressing opinions um, but also like uh, I, it sounds so corny but like creating a platform for other people to express their <laughs> opinions which I agree with but there's some truth to that like yeah. oh I want these people that I know who are interesting who are gay who are trans who are this and the other who are expressing I guess you would judge as sort of like subversive or controversial and yeah. I don't necessarily think they are I just think um, they're just a different take on things and how can you not be interested in that and uh, so yeah there's like these things happening in me I was like oh my god I'm approaching like mid thirties and need to establish something that I want to do that can be built upon. Um, so that was something that could be built upon. Um, but I guess the more acute direct answer is that I was submitting articles to different publications mm-hmm. and have been published in some things, but then there's a lot of articles that you write that you want to share these opinions. They don't get published. Yep. Um, and so I have to give credit to where credit's due, you know, a drunken canal, this downtown, yeah. um, what do they call that little section again down there? Dime uh, Square, Dime Square. Dime Square people. Uh, you know, some girls down there created this paper that kind of blew up. Uh, I never read an article in it or, you know, opened it or got one. But I was submitting articles to different publications, big, small, independent, whatever. And I submitted one to them. They responded. They said they really liked it. Mm-hmm. What did I think about pub- what did I think about them publishing it in their next issue? I said, Sure. Sounds great. Uh, Just let me know if you need any more details from me. Um, Anyways, so the paper comes out. They didn't publish it. Mm -hmm. And that to me was really like the finish line of of just like cold submitting. Like 
my own articles to yeah. different publications. So I just thought I'm going to self-publish m- m- some work. And then so that opened it up of like, well, how and in, in what format would I do that? And I was like, well, they have a paper. So I don't know if you want to call that copycatting or being influenced by, but to me, I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to publish this paper. Um, and so I did. And so I just worked a lot, took the money that I made from working and um, I reached out to uh, writers, some that I knew, and then literally anywhere you could find talent. And talent is not possessed by many people. Mm-hmm. And that's such an American lie <laughs> that it is. Uh, it's not. No. And I would literally post, you know, uh, I, I would I would post, you know, whatever, a job notice or whatever on Craigslist, on Grindr, <laughs> which I got banned for. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's old. I didn't even, I didn't know you couldn't do that. I was like, well, I'm not soliciting sex or like prostitution. I'm not looking You're for soliciting drugs. soliciting truth. Yeah, thank you. Can't have that. Fabulously so. <laughs> um, but apparently, yeah, you cannot, I mean, it can only be used for personal use, mm-hmm. you know, so. Uh, so I had to, it's a whole other thing, but I had to like provide a like plea to like reinstate my grinder. I felt like so... Man, if you ever like don't feel that you are attached to technocrats, big tech, <laughs> like social media, you are because I had to be self-aware that when I was like banned from Grinder, I was like, wow, I'm really like kicked out of a club. Like, well, I was like, I got to meet guys like in person. Well, I thought of, I like mulled that over for 12 hours. I was like, how do you appeal this process? <laughs> I was like, I was like, I need to get my ass back into the matrix, honey. Like, how do we do this? <laughs> Um, so, I mean, that's the long answer to basically like what led to Iffy, Iffy was a name that I always had, um, because of what might be seen as like, con- you know, controversial. Mm-hmm. It was like, well, everything's a little iffy. So let's just yes. put that out on the forefront. It's a little iffy mm-hmm. and you just have to understand that going into it. Yeah. Prepare yourselves. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's how it started. And then I just, you know, found the writers read a lot of submissions. Any submission that started with I have an MFA from somewhere was <laughs> like almost immediately like, nah. well, it was it's like annotated, like bibliography, like very I can't even say academic because it was almost like anti intellectual. Yeah. <laughs> Some of these things people submitted, I felt like almost bad, but I was like, Wow, if ever there was evidence for the sham of the university system mm. in the states and how much you pay it was like an mf this isn't even like a ba it was like an mfa in writing and this is like what you submitted someday i'll, I'll compile those and make like a zine or something of you know like mfa and then find a find you know configure some weird acronym to go in mfa like motherfuckers ain't writing well or something you know what i mean like much more accurate exactly yeah so that's that's where i started so this seems to be a trend, though, like of people who don't have ideas, beliefs that are totally conventional, but who want to communicate something of what they believe, what they think is important. Um, but yeah, like not having a platform on these mainstream mm-hmm. kind of publications or wherever it may be. <clears throat> um, and more and more of us are determined to like to actually go for it on our own, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think, you know, there are plenty of people who are kind of giving us the, uh, the inspiration or the okay to go, go forward with it, you know? So like 
obviously Red Scare plays a role. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that they don't really give a shit about any right. conventions. But that, no, like, they're actually saying stuff that is true, that is, uh, like, making very important observations about our culture today. And it's giving a lot of people license to just say, you know what, like, we don't have to always be playing by the rules. Like, we should have an outlet where we can say what we really think, you know. And I think that's why the publications like these serve such a huge purpose, even though they may not be, like you know, within the mainstream kind of context. I mean, absolutely. I I think that, like, I mean, a couple of things. One is, um, yeah, it's... It would behoove you to be aware of people who are sort of, I don't know, breaking those boundaries or expressing mm-hmm. themselves freely. I mean, definitely give credit where credit's due because it does build confidence yes. in uh, a reader, a listener, a watcher, a viewer mm-hmm. to, if they have any talent and um, ambition, if they want to create their own thing, that they can. And yes, Red Scare, definitely an influence. And a lot of those big podcasts, I enjoy podcasts because I enjoy talk. I've always mm-hmm. enjoyed listening to talk. When I was younger, I would watch The View, mm-hmm. watch Wendy Williams, <laughs> who is, I mean, I could I could write a book on Wendy yes, Williams. Artistic genius. Absolutely. As, as a work of irony and satire mm-hmm. and pop culture and... Um, and queerness and all of that thing, all of those things, which by the way, so is Rachel Dolezal. And I could unpack her. You're not wrong. I could unpack her for, I I mean, it it is my goal. I'm trying to work this out to like interview her for the podcast or have her write a piece. Um, And I know a a number of other gay men Mm -hmm. who've expressed kind of positive opinions on I mean, she's 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 a gay man. She like got yeah. an MFA in yeah. art, and you know she, her trans racialism is like being on the outside looking in and being canceled. She has an OnlyFans. It's like you're you're like a gay New York man, okay? Like you don't do you understand this? Um, but I think yes, it it gives us license to to create our own outlets or platforms to express these opinions that are hard to express. Um, and the mainstream my only like cautiousness that I would say is that if if that is your mission or that is um, your motivation mm-hmm. to consider like the platform so for me I, I don't try to put too much stock into social media I do observe it as somewhat a necessity mm-hmm. on some level but understand at the end of the day the algorithms provide uh, boundaries yes. and um they provide, you know, sheer curtains, you know, soft netting, all of these things of what can be allowed through, what cannot be allowed through, mm-hmm. what can you be canceled for, when your account can be restricted, shadow banned, all of these things. So, again, going back to like it being a paper, it being yes. a tangible in-person publication, I think one, culturally, there there is like a group and a sect of like younger people who are interested in that yeah. because everything is so intangible you know on the Mm -hmm. internet as far as um news sources pop culture entertainment so you if you can put something in someone's hand they feel like they have something because they literally feel you know they're touching something and also what's important is that you are not at the mercy of big tech social Mm -hmm. media the risk of being canceled or censored or whatever and that was important for me now is it sustainable I don't know, but those mm-hmm. are questions I don't try to indulge in too much in yeah. searching for answers 
because it's literally fruitless for the the present process at hand it's like well if you're printing a paper and you're speaking to a printer the the printers there's not a question of whether or not this is relevant because at that point you just have to go through with it like financially and like regarding you know your time your schedule so yeah no and the fact that it's in newsprint like when you first reached out to me about it and you're like oh what's your address so i can send it to you like that immediately caught my attention because mm-hmm. how many people are really going for a printed publication now um, i think it's significant on two levels first of all as you said like it implies a certain level of commitment because anyone could just make a Substack for free and mm-hmm. put all their ideas out there but to actually take the work of making um printing out this publication choosing the photos choosing the font getting the writers for it mm-hmm. paying the money like it just it's that tangible <clears throat> commitment that makes people want to take it more seriously and be like yeah what what are they trying to say what are they trying to do with this but also just on an aesthetic level like it's much more appealing because yeah like i just scroll through a thing online great but it's an experience to actually pick it up look at the pictures mm-hmm. and the colors and the spacing of everything it's like it's it's exciting for us young people who you know everything's online and it's just kind of like liquid you know it's mm-hmm. very elusive so i i think that's as much as it may be a risky move i think it's uh much more powerful and significant that way well i do too yeah, yeah. that's why that's why it's that way you know yeah. <laughs> So let's talk about the the layout first of all. So like these cover photos of the first two intri- uh first two editions. Mm-hmm. Very interesting cuz like there's no straightforward message. Right. It makes you think. Yeah, and sort of and that is sort of um the idea. Yeah, I mean, these are pictures that full disclosure I took um, okay. the July issue, the first issue. That's a friend of mine who was a model, a male model. Who um, was like a real model, like front of mm-hmm. Italian Vogue. He did the YSL campaign in London twice. He walked for like, I think Dolce & Gabbana and all these like, you know, and he's a close friend of 14, 14 years. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, the idea was, and this has always been true of like my aesthetic when I was working in like performance and um, experimental theater and visual arts and stuff is it's always a little more obscured. I think, I just think that's part of my aesthetic. I mean, that's like the simple answer. Uh, and then the winter-ish mm-hmm. um, issue that came out in October is that's full disclosure again my sister oh wow uh yeah oh now i can see it yeah i can see the eyes yeah and so i was just in new mexico and that was just her like breastfeeding her baby by this river in new mexico she's very like my sister's like a witch she's out there she's like doing seances in the forest and um again you know and and the thing too about being limited in your resources as just one individual essentially putting this paper together is that you know, you really have to use what you have. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to say use who you have, but um, collaborate, if you will, with like who you have. You know what I mean? So that's sort of, I think, where the publication is now regarding like the cover. I don't know. It has so much, it has so much metamorphosis that mm-hmm. is possible. But um, we're rolling with it for now. And now in terms of like the actual content of the articles, mm-hmm. 
it's it's what you were saying before that like people who have certain ideas certain beliefs that are not really allowed in the mainstream like now there's a space for them to you know to give their voice and but also for people who understand what they're going for to be affirmed in that mm-hmm. um so I'm, I'm just curious to know more about how you found these writers and like how they um how you kind of got their interest in being part of this kind of project totally so i mean you know what they were actually really cool um because obviously with the first issue there's nothing to really reference you know like they just it was kind of like a blind trust you know um i had have to like break it down and explain it to them and um so i find them in a different different ways uh, like i said posting on grinder on craigslist and then you just sift through all the emails to find anyone who has like talent um, also, some things that I've read. I mean, that's that is what's good about social media and mm-hmm. as, as having access. So, yeah. like Sam Chris is a, a fantastic writer whose work I love, um, and I would read his articles in Damage Mag, which is an online uh, magazine, which is brilliant. I, I think anyone should you know read it if you're like if you like reading still. <laughs> um, and I would just reach out to him through uh, Instagram, you know. Um, and I pay every writer. It's like a very small fee. Mm -hmm. Obviously it's out of pocket. Um, and I would have to reference again because the publication didn't exist, uh, or have an online presence of any kind. So I would have to reference things that in these postings, I'd have to like reference, like I would reference Palia, I'd reference Mm -hmm. Red Scare, I'd reference Brady Sinellis, um, I'm trying not to keep it all red here, but like, you know, Lash and yeah. um, all these kind of things. So that was how I drew people in, like, who liked that kind of, you know, that kind of stuff. And when I was uh, posting on Craigslist looking for writers and you reference those, it's interesting how many gay men yeah. you get who are like, oh my God, I love that. I love Palia. I love this or whatever. And mm-hmm. so that was how, like, I found um, the writers. Because once you had those references out there and people responded to you, you already kind of knew the ilk of, like, what kind of people they were, at least what their interests were. Um, yeah, so, and, and then you would just have the conversation, meet up with coffee and be like, I usually start off with like, what do you want to write about? Like, what what are your pitches? What are your ideas? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like a very freeing process for them because between the two, there's writers who've con- contributed to, you know, like LA Times, Time Out, Interview Mag, Teen Vogue, um, Nylon. Mm-hmm. I mean, David Odyssey is yeah. has a column in Nylon, you know, currently. Mm-hmm. And like, for example, like he told me, like it was one of, uh, if not like the most freeing process to be a writer because I obviously with Ify, my whole idea is to totally like not censor yeah. any of the writers. Like, f- like here's the word limit. Express yourself however you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll read it obviously to, you know, to, to, to see, to make sure it's like of, of, you know, on, on some level on par, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it basically wise. always is, you know, yeah. there's like a few edits stuff here and there, but, um, but it's really great because it's like really one thing is like, it's a vessel that opens up fantastic interactions and exchanges with people, you know, like having coffee. I'm like, God, I'm like, get to have yeah, anytime I have doubt about the publication or if I can afford it or I'm going to be able to sustain it, it's like even now sitting here with you, like I am talking to you because this vessel like yep. that I created exists. And when you remind yourself that, you're like, oh, there's there's reason to keep going because 
and get to meet really interesting people and have really interesting conversation and discourse and disagreements and things like that without that being inherently wrong, Mm -hmm. you know? So, yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's interesting to me that like, there are, I I guess like my kind of gateway into all this is Palia, who I, you know, I said, like I discovered what, maybe six, seven years ago. And I thought I was the only one who, who, you know, whose beliefs resonated with, with hers or vice versa. Um, and it wasn't until Red Scare that I realized, oh, there are other young people who are recognizing that what Palia said is like really prophetic. Like she recognized what was happening to the culture and that, you know, you can have these opinions that are unorthodox, that are kind of countercultural. Um, but I hadn't really seen much in writing about her or like, again, younger people of our generation commenting on what's happening today mm-hmm. through this kind of lens. So to finally see like really strong writers, uh, not just like random people going on Substack, writing about culture in this way through this lens. Again, it's like it's very affirmative, but it's um, it helps you to really think more deeply about what's happening in the culture. Um, totally. And I think and to speak to that just really quick, I think um, when we talk about lens, it's important to realize, too, when you're uh, reading anything political or if I'm like, you know, quote unquote, hiring a political mm-hmm. uh, someone who wants to write a political piece, that it's just there, there really isn't um, a, a prefabricated lens mm-hmm. of, of of a particular ideology, i.e. like the Republican or the Democrat yeah. Party, liberal or conservative. And that was something that I was experiencing yeah. on a personal, almost existential kind of level, yes. which is like, wow, I really don't fit in politically mm-hmm. to anything. And I think that's the importance of yes. like Red Scare and its mm-hmm. listeners and uh, stumbling upon Pally and stuff. is like, wow, you can have critique of both parties and you can agree with a party on, uh, uh, you know, an issue you know like mm-hmm. um but it doesn't necessarily mean that that is your uh, affirming ideology on a daily basis like and and that was something that, that i wanted to create it create as well because i knew other people like that yeah. in real life you know and i knew other gay men like that mm-hmm. i knew trans women like that and it was like well how come you know on the mainstream yeah. it's like we're just victims and this and we just believe these things and it's yeah. like well, that's just not true my like lived experience you know uh on a, individually and also like within a community even like the word community it's just mm-hmm. like well what does that mean it's like which community exactly Ooh. and and community is like great community can provide uh certain things that you you need or at least really desire socially to make mm-hmm. life pleasurable but communities can and it seemingly you know more often become cults in a way yeah you know and um i don't know so just yeah feeling so on the outside of of so much and like and wanting to like create a space where there was people who yeah anyways i'm repeating myself but yeah um yeah and it's also um it's very affirming to see that there are other people who have ideas that don't fit within the kind of mainstream narrative. And like, I think for me, at least I felt very isolated knowing that, yeah, like uh, my ideas don't fit in one end of the binary or the other. Um, And it's like, you, 
you're afraid to talk about it because people are going to label you a certain way. People are going to like if you critique something about the left, now you're crazy Nazi. Republican. Yeah. That was the point I was originally trying to make in my last tirade was that, yeah, like you need to be able to express yourself freely without then being labeled something. Yeah. Um, But you're not going to get that in like any mainstream publication or any, any, any mainstream media because it doesn't, it's fruitless for them. They need eyes. They need viewership. Mm -hmm. They need advertisers. And the way to, I mean, at this point it's so obvious the way to do that is to like literally create sides and, force people to like pick one that's i mean that's wrestling you're watching wrestling at that point yeah and like to either have to conform to the standards or to silence yourself i mean neither of those are sustainable options right you do that for a little bit but i think this is going to be more of a trend as time goes on that people whose ideas don't fit like we don't have to be silenced like we can create alternative platforms and kind of connect with each other you know, so that we can communicate what we're seeing, what we want to say. Yeah. You know, I absolutely. Think, and I yeah. think that's what you were saying about, you, you know, mm-hmm. Cox and Pomo is like, is like realizing that, you know, like you can't hold all of this and it gives you, you would feel crazy if you weren't like, if you didn't create some sort of path for you to express these, that, that has um, a certain structure to it. Yeah. It's exactly like how I, I feel about iffy. I feel, because I did like silence myself being gay in New York and working in experimental theater. I mean, yeah. good God, like, what can you, I mean, I just realized at some point, this isn't like a cynical judgment of the people of whom I was involved with no. for like seven years working in experimental theater, but it was an observation that this would be way, this is way too narrow for me. Um, I cannot express myself fully here. Ironically, it's like experimental theater. I thought like, oh, this is a place where like, you can really like work through some things. And it's yeah. like, no, you can work through a particular uh, group of things in a particular way mm-hmm. with a particular outcome like yeah. and a particular thesis and hypothesis and then we need a certain result and I was like whoa 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 like I remember just sitting at a bar with a friend after a show that they were in that I went to observe and it was like sold out at this like you know renowned experimental theater piece with this director of and I remember just sitting there after it and, like talking to some of the people just casually generally I didn't really know them and I just I, I like finally hit this wall. It was like this these are just not my people. This is just mm-hmm. not going to work for me. I'm I feel so isolated and polarized here, you know, and and then probably just lived kind of silently for the next like four years mm-hmm. after that. As far as expressing an opinion or um but I, I gotta give credit to where it's due, not to keep reiterating, but like Red Scare was a big a big changing, you know, turning point for me and being like whoa you really can say like what you want yeah and and connect with people you know what i mean yeah but then i think on the level of um like journalistic integrity what's really interesting to me is that so in the second issue for example the article on britney Mm -hmm. like you see all these hot takes on britney in the mainstream media that aren't really that interesting it's like oh britney should be free from her conservatorship yay all her fans so Mm -hmm. loyal it's like yeah sure but what are you are you saying anything new are you really making people think um so it's like i intuit that there's something missing but then when i read this it's like whoa there are people who can actually think on a deeper level that's Mm -hmm. not just these kind of mundane platitudes and like what david odyssey did like really goes to the depth of what is it about britney that draws people yeah um 
not just artistically but like even on a spiritual level like i'm not seeing that anywhere mm-hmm. you know so that's that and then also i really enjoyed the um the christian walker one yeah because i some people like people have asked me oh christian walker what do you think and it's like okay that's cute you want to be like the gay black guy who's not woke mm-hmm. but it's just kind of boring like mm-hmm. there's nothing there but this critique really goes all the way to the depth of like what is he really going for and what's missing here what's what's positive there yeah um, and drawing this sort of like parallel with candace owens in a certain way yeah i found that it was interesting and i mean one of the things about like being the editor of this publication is like you don't have to agree with everything um there's certainly like some pieces that are like oh i might not agree with this or whatever or some that are a little bit like irreverent or (laughs) i mean like some sexual pieces are like really pushing like oh god do i want to be the fag rag do i want to is that what i want this to be and then i have to sit back and think about sort of my or part of my initial kind of interest in publishing things it's, it's not really about me it's mm-hmm. not a direct extension of like my thoughts or beliefs like then it, you're just you're just stepping back into like pseudo censorship or something yeah. or maybe just call that being a good editor but i want different people to have like different takes on things you know what i mean mm-hmm. and and to never um like i think when i like hire writers going back to that really quick i try to never start with identity and mm-hmm. always with talent yeah um, which is controversial in and of itself because every, today everything yeah. has to start with identity mm-hmm. and then we'll ascertain your level of like talent. Um, but I, but I mean, it is, it is a very diverse publication, which was like good to sort of have that in place. If there's going to be any, you know, pushback or whatever, um, because we have like trans women, trans black women, Asian autistic hiv positive gay men straight men mm-hmm. uh, non-binary like contributors within two within two issues you know um but there definitely there's been a little pushback which i find i don't want to become a troll but you're like yeah. okay cool like what kind um from like so we distribute it mostly through like lower manhattan and okay. brooklyn and like brooklyn like north north uh, west brooklyn you know the neighborhoods yeah. of like where you would assume there'd be a readership for it yeah. um so like i don't know this guy on grinder whatever we were like chatting about you know whatever mm-hmm. and i was like oh what do you do i was like oh i like bartend edit this paper and and he was like oh yeah my roommate brought that home and i read it and i was like oh okay cool like what did you think about it it's cool like people do find it and they like yeah. reach out or like I want to give people like the second issue. They're like, oh yeah, I read the whole first one. You're like, God, wow, people really find this shit. Where? Like, I mean, it's in a lot of coffee shops and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But um, he was like, yeah, he was like, it kind of read alt, it kind of read alt-right light oh is God. what he said to me. But then again, that's just like looking through that binary political spectrum yeah. lens. Like if you can only perceive things as this, that, this or that, I mean, then you have to reference one of those when you're critiquing something. And that, to me, is just anti-intellectual. It's like against, um, I don't know. It's it's against like personalized, critical. Yeah. Uh, it's a cop out, so you don't actually have to engage with the ideas. Because mm-hmm. like I I know someone who critiqued Red Scare because it's they were like oh it's uh, 
their perspective is too white and they're not considering whatever POC perspective. And it's like, okay, yeah, technically they're two white girls, but are you actually thinking about what they're saying? Like, you don't have to agree with it, but can you engage with mm-hmm. the, I- the ideas themselves? But I, I, this is why I respect this so much that even if you, the reader may not agree with everything that's being said, like you have to have respect for the level of nuance with which these ideas are being treated. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like nuance, I don't want to say it, but nuance is kind of dead. Absolutely. Today. Why though? Like, why do you think we're, as a culture, we're so averse to nuance and like looking at the many facets of an issue? Because we want things to be easy, or at least we perceive them to be easy. We want them to be surface. It's the same reason, like, I ask myself when I see these Hollywood movies that come out, and you're like, how do people watch this? This is bad writing. This is not great acting. This is not good storytelling. Yeah, Yeah, but it's just easier. It's just easier, and you can, like, you can numb out. You can dumb down. You can watch. Mm -hmm. It's easy to watch, like, CNN. It's easy to watch Fox News and just be told what to think or to just be giving a be given a regurgitated perspective over and over i mean when it's like tucker carlson on rittenhouse you don't need to watch that why you already know what it is there is there's nothing new there is no nuance no nuance and i think that let's see if i can draw this like let me see if i can give you like an infographic verbally <laughs> because I was thinking about this the other day when it's just like first of all people like don't like to hold a dialectical kind of perspective at all you know and I think that goes back to like our our Puritan roots yeah. as a nation mm-hmm. which is evil and righteousness good and bad yeah. w- which is drawn out of at least in this context, the Bible and the, the not just the founding of the nation but the founding of the world and mm-hmm. not just the founding the creation of it and um, it is it is so anti-cognitive behavioral therapy mm-hmm. or any any type of cognitive therapy to not uh, be able to hold a dialectical perspective about things and to not consider nuance, but to just think, see things as black or white. I mean, it's literally, literally a characteristic of borderline personality disorder. Mm-hmm. And anybody who's been in a relationship with someone who's... BPD mm-hmm. understands that there's an end to this relationship for sure. There is no way to sustain such uh, extreme um, thinking that like sways one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, like we adopt this in our intake of of uh, news stories or entertainment or criticism of, and criticisms and judgments of your neighbor. That's another word too. We love to use neighbor, but I'm like, you mean the ideology? Like when people say to me, I was talking about like Joe Rogan to someone and they were like, yeah, but isn't he conservative? I'm like, what a crazy way to like look at another person. Like, and and what you're really saying is, isn't he evil? Like it is, it is, it, it that's just a, another facade that is at, again, uh, exemplary of our Puritan roots yeah. you're what, you, what you're really saying is isn't he bad isn't he evil and this goes back to also how like we're like raised it's like good little boys bad little boys good little girls from our traditions from like christmas like if you've been a bad boy you get this you get, it's like so simple it is there yeah. is a line and it, you know there there's a line you're either on this side or you're on that side this guy said to me one time at work you know we were talking about something 
I don't even remember. Uh, and he brought Trump into it. And I was just like, what? Like after like 15 minutes, he was like, but he was like, but 37 million people, 37, or whoever, however many. And I was like, I didn't know what he's talking about. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, we're 79, you know, whatever it was. He's like, voted for Trump. And I was like, Trump, what are we talking about Trump for? Like, this is nothing. Trump to arrangements. Yeah. And he was just like, you know, there's a line in the sand. And like, once you cross that, there's, you know, that's it. That's it for me. And I was like, honey, there's no sand. There's a line in your mind. And like, you have determined that for yourself. It's, it's not real. It's not real at all. And, um, so going back to your question about nuance, I was thinking like, oh, I can, I can just like, I mean, I'm just going to just generalize here and, and like whatever, but like, I was like, oh, I don't, I don't like Trump. Right. Okay. But I like the fact that he increased spending at historically black colleges or, or I don't like, I don't like Trump, but I like that he helped Kim get out, you know, get this woman out of prison or whatever. Um, of course, like you can't like those things um, because you have to hate Trump and therefore you have to hate like everything that he's done or so. But I'm like, I'm sure if you look at anyone's life, it doesn't have to be on that scale. Um, you're you're going to find things that you like about the person and that you don't like, and things that you like about what they've done mm-hmm. and what they've don't done. You really do not have to judge. I mean, any negative, cynical judgment of anyone causes you pain. Mm-hmm. Not the person of whom you're judging. I mean, again, that's going back to like cognitive behavioral therapy. These yeah. are like things you learn in that kind of therapy. And I always think like if you have this web and you have this spider and you say. Okay, I don't want to take I don't I don't want to put Trump in this web, but I'll take the fact that he like donated money to these colleges, boom. I'll take the fact that I don't know uh, gas prices were down and boom, throw it in this web, and then I'll look at people like let's say AOC, mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, I hate this and this and that about her, or whatever. But I'll I I disagree with her, let's say policy wise, but I'll take the fact that she was a bartender. Um, and not this career politician to to begin with, at least mm-hmm. initially. And I'll take the fact that she was a bartender, which is relatable. Why? Because I'm a bartender. Yeah. I know that Sally, whatever. And I'll throw that on the web. And at the end of the day, it's like this web to me is nuance. These are things that um, they they do not define the person of with of which of whom you're supposed to hate or love. Mm-hmm. It's like all these different like little characteristics. And if you put them together, it creates. A person it creates a person who does good things and who does bad things, but that's much harder to, or unpleasant, or just takes more effort or more thinking mm-hmm. to observe to become aware of. So I, I mean, I think people hate nuance. That's like the longest answer, but I mean, people, people are so nuanced, and so it seems so counterintuitive to like not consider nuance Mm -hmm. it's like god have you ever looked inside yourself there's so much shit going on well that's the thing i think we're afraid to look at ourselves yes we rather look at some identity we've constructed that's easier to manage but in reality if we did look in the mirror we'd see like we're very complicated we don't even understand ourselves Mm -hmm. you know and just with the death of nuance like i wonder how much of it is a choice of ours that I don't know, like if you're going to turn on Fox or CNN, it feels good to have your ideas affirmed without having to look at the different pieces of it. It's like it's moral masturbation, really. It's like, oh, it's I'm right. I feel good. The end. I don't have to think about anything else. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I wonder, like, do we lack the tools nowadays to look at nuance? Like, are we kind of too dumb to do it? Mm. It's like 
you know, when you talk about Trump, I think the only tools we have to judge him and his presidency are very narrow, like, again, very moralistic because of how Puritan yeah. our culture is. But I always say to people, but okay, aesthetically speaking, performatively, he's a genius. Right. Like, how could you say anything good? It's like, I didn't say morally he's a good person right. or he's a great president, but again, if we're talking about performance art, if we're talking about entertainment value, like the guy is incredibly intelligent. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we really know how to think about aesthetics anymore. I don't think we know how to think about, I don't know, like spiritual ontological truths, because that's not really, we're not taught that. Mm-hmm. Like it's like only moral values, only political values. Mm-hmm. But if that's all we have in our culture, then that's very boring. Like Absolutely. what kind of lives are we going to live if we're only talking about moral or political goods? Yeah, I mean, people are so out of touch with nuance. They don't even know how to observe aesthetic in someone like Trump without realizing that it's not an endorsement. You know, like yeah. that is that is part of the uh, stupid discourse at hand is that like you're not allowed to say anything um, about the other side that isn't you know, overtly negative because it will be seen as an endorsement. And that's just like crazy to me. It's like, you know... With someone who said to me, like, before, I was I was saying like I would sit down with Trump, and they're like, really? It's like, yeah, dude. There's not a person on earth I wouldn't sit down with. I mean, as a writer, or artist, or I don't know, a podcaster, anything. It's like, you know, why wouldn't you want to sit down with I don't know Gaddafi or like you know, well, not anymore, but like you know, what I'm saying like anybody, um, because it's not an endorsement and it's a curiosity. It's also journalism. You know what I mean? It's like. Yeah. When uh, Gail King sits down with R. Kelly, you know it's not an endorsement. It's like, why are you giving him a platform? It's like, we're you're not you're not necessarily giving him a platform. Uh, you're you you're looking into something that's already taken place, and you have access to the person of of who you know made it happen. I mean, how are you not curious? How is curiosity? Yeah, I mean, maybe that is the root of it. Maybe people are less curious. I mean, are we or are we not? Or like, you know, when you create and your presence on social media, I mean, basically you're creating little biodomes of people who agree with you, um, who don't provide any discomfort in your thinking. I mean, that lacks a curiosity. Um, it's also hard to engage in that context. True. Because like, I know I've seen people who post things that I think like, oh my God, this is ridiculous. I'm going to block them now. When in reality, if they were in front of me, mm-hmm. I wouldn't do that. I'd be like, hey, why do you think that? I just don't think the medium is conducive. That's true. And if we're only relying on that medium, if we're not having these face-to-face mm-hmm. encounters, or if we don't find ourselves in situations where there is diversity of thought, diversity of experience, then it's really easy to get stuck in this mentality. Yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. I, I have such little interest of engaging with any discourse on social media you know like i can't type fast enough and also like i'm so focused on what i'm typing i'm not reading what you're typing you know what i mean like you like to scroll back up and like briefly look i'm like "Mm, that's nope you said two wrong words let me go back down and then like put this in here and um yeah i mean i again and 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 being someone who's interested in nuance and different takes on things and Mm -hmm. debate and dissent and all that um and not finding that 
as common amongst peers, colleagues, family members or whatever. It's like, again, it's very polarizing. Mm -hmm. It's very isolating to be like, wouldn't it be easier if I just, you know, chose a side Um, Mm. when I feel like more affirmed as a person, um, especially my viewpoints or whatever. But I, I just have found it impossible to untether myself from like the integrity of who I am. So therefore I'm just isolated and polarized unless at least what I realize being someone who's like driven and goal oriented and Capricorn and like, you know, like, Oh, I I have ambition so I can hopefully create a path for Mm -hmm. myself um, where I'll get to engage with people. There must be other people who think like this and certain podcasts, you know, uh, highlighted that that was that was out there so it gave Mm. me the green light to be like oh i'm gonna go ahead with this thing and just see what happens Mm. and i don't and not even just red scare but like i like tim dylan Mm -hmm. you know i like joe rogan although i will skip over every mma interview or a comedian interview i just cannot listen to the glorification of comedy as the all-knowing all-being you know like yeah so just don't think like Joe Rogan is funny. I, yeah, I didn't realize he was a comedian. He's I don't think he's that funny. No, I don't think like, who it, who's like. I mean, he sells all these huge arena shows, but it's like that has to be because of your podcast. Yeah, there's no way. Like I've watched clips on YouTube. And I was like, I need to try and see if this works. And I was like, yeah. maybe I'm just not a straight bro or something. <laughs> but I was like, this ain't not working for me. This is like not funny. But I I generally don't like stand up. Anyways, I really no, you don't. I don't know. Do you? Uh, yeah, I do. Like, who are some of the people that you like? I I like the first comedian I gravitated towards was Chris Rock. Okay. Um, I like Chris Rock. I love Rami Youssef, who has the Hulu show. Oh, no. I, he's like this Muslim guy from New Jersey. His yeah, like his Hulu series is incredible. Um, I like Monique. but i do think it is culturally valuable because unless you're like one of these woke comedians on netflix who only plays the party line i mean that's a Mm -hmm. waste but i think comedians can get us to look at society critically but also like us as individual human beings the human condition yeah in a way that i don't know like because i've studied philosophy and theology my way of approaching these questions are very just like straightforward and analytical. And that doesn't resonate with the ba- the vast majority. But if you could do it in an ironic way, in an entertaining mm-hmm. way, like you can really get people to think. So I think comedy yeah, has that kind of value. Yeah, I definitely see like the value in it. I just struggle to, I don't know, find a lot of it funny. I do like things that I've seen from Dave Chappelle. I've yes. never like sat down yeah. and watched a whole a whole thing through did you watch the new one i didn't freaking out about no but i don't know why they're freaking out why does anyone freak out about what any stand-up comedian says like let's just agree let's come to that consensus that it's like dude it's stand-up comedy and you look so uh naive and elementary to Mm -hmm. be like butthurt about like what a stand-up comedian said they're gonna be controversial they're gonna push the boundaries they're gonna say things you shouldn't um, that's their job yeah and it's like to, don't react because it makes you look like unsmart. you have no sense of humor you're boring yeah so I, mm. I don't want but I mean much like my taste in music be, having a 
such a biased taste in like black music when it comes to stand-up comedians it tends to be a black stand-up comedian like i i remember watching cat williams back in the day and i liked cat williams yeah i've seen clips of dave Chappelle that i like i've seen clips of monique that i like linnell if you know her um I mean, the Kings of Comedy. I watched mm-hmm. that back in the day. Bernie Mac. Oh my yeah. God, the one about like the kid coming down to get something. Yeah. Cookies. Do you remember that? Yeah. The little gave away. I want something. Yeah. Okay, cookie. Or the little girl. Like that was so funny. Um, Did you see Cornell West on Joe Rogan? No, but I do like Cornell West. Yeah, because he was on, and they were talking about comedians, and I think like one of Cornell West's uh, hot takes is that generally blacks and jews tend to make the best comedians and i think red scare has affirmed this Mm. because people who have known suffering who have um whose voices have been silenced um when trying to communicate their experiences they know that again if it's just going to be in a straightforward way it's not going to be heard um so you use comedy use this performative style to speak truth Mm. Um, but also like they see into the nuances of the human condition, like those who have intensely suffered, understand what it means to be human. Mm-hmm. So they can really get you to look at how, f- like Cornel West calls it like the tragic comic nature of the human condition. Cause like to be human is tragic. Like there's suffering, there's unfulfilled desires that we're constantly facing. And yet we're so funny because like we intuit that there is hope. We intuit that, mm. like within the suffering, there's something more that's not purely horrible. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that's why, in general, you see these black and Jewish comedians who just really hit home on so many things. Do you do you think that's why, like, vapid, not maybe all, but like vapid social justice warriors don't they don't seem to have a sense of humor because they lack a real sense of suffering even even though we all suffer but we're not talking about like slavery or holocaust here yeah i think a lot of these people one haven't gone through a very intense suffering or have just not looked at their own suffering at all Mm. because there are plenty of people no matter what race or whatever who have suffered intensely but are so deathly afraid of looking at it trying to understand it talk about it with people so they just jump to these very simplistic ideologies because it's an escape. Um, but yeah, anyone who knows what it means to be human and to suffer, I think has to have some sense of humor. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, then your life sucks. It's horrible if it's suffering and that's it. Yeah. You know? I wonder why there hasn't been like any really good gay comedians. Like there's not been like really um, any good gay stand-up. Nope. I can't think. Of you know what I mean. I I love. I I think Tim Dillon's podcast is really funny. Yeah. I don't like love his stand up. At least the clips that I've seen. Um, I think gay men's humor manifests in different art forms. I don't think stand up is the main way. I don't know why. I don't have a hot take on it, but I do think, mm, like, other art forms like film, mm-hmm. literature. Yeah. I have to think about that. And then like those that I've that I've seen again just clips of 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 you know, gay stand ups not household names, I don't I yeah. couldn't rename one, but it's just like Hey y'all, yeah. hey, what's up? So mm-hmm. you know, and it's just like, whoa, it's like the worst 
kind of performative gay shit ever and it's just it's obnoxious i'm like how can i find the humor through this obnoxiousness i'll never i can't i can't get to the root of what you're trying to do on stage because it's like again it's like the tropes the serious i was on fire island i was gonna orgy with a can up my and it's just like all right i mean come on let's get to it like something a little more clever just a little Mm. more clever do you think women are funny yeah i do i think I do think there are some funny women. I mean, in some ways, Pally is funny. I mean, especially I mean, as back... a stand-up comedian, are women funny? Um, there must be some. The only women... I mean, this is like... I'm being provocative on purpose, but I do have a point. I do think men, because we tend not to have... I think women are much more concerned about like what's morally correct, mm-hmm. what is harmful to like, I think there's a protective nature of being a woman that like, you know, I think they're more hesitant to say certain politically incorrect things. Cause it, you know, it, it does harm people. It does hurt feelings. Mm-hmm. The only women that I have found funny are like, it's usually slapstick mm-hmm. or like sexual humor, like Monique, like she's done a lot of bits on like, you know sexual encounters with guys um and it's like yeah it's funny but can you can women really say something intelligent through comedy i haven't seen it do you like michelle wolf i don't know her maybe this is because i'm ignorant i don't know i'm again i'm just trying to be provocative i mean i can't there are women yeah i can't really really answer that because again i'm not a a connoisseur of of stand-up comedy past clips that i've seen um but it's an interesting question because now that you asked it, I'm like trying to think. I think Lunel, Lunel, I'm saying her name right. Yeah. yeah. I think I have seen uh, a compilation of clips of her put together of her, ironically, like clean because she does a lot of like church yes. performances. Yeah. And or and um, I remember it being funny. I remember being like mm-hmm. pleasantly surprised. Um, I think my biggest and maybe this is like my morally conservative upbringing i find that when stand-up tries to push the envelope and specifically like i i typically don't find like sexual stuff funny um like i feel like some people like don't find like poop jokes and all that funny so i find that really funny um sexual stuff is a little harder for me i mean i remember when dane cook was all the rage and i think i was Mm -hmm. in like high school or something a lot of it was I mean, he would never, it would never fly today being like a white male yeah. cis bro, you know, talking about like girls that, or also like, who was the guy that wrote that book, Beers in Hell? Oh. I mean, it's like, dude, that yeah. would never happen yeah, no. today. Um, but especially of that time, I was like, this is not funny. When like everyone thought Dan Cook was funny and my bro, I have a twin brother and we'd be like in a car or someone's car in high school and like multiple times I remember Dan Cook being on and we're like, can we like... I just want to put the radio on or something. This is like not my thing at all. I just sex jokes are very easy. That's the thing. Like to say something intelligent about sex mm-hmm. through comedy takes work. But if you're just gonna make like a kind of crude joke about a sexual encounter, it's like, all right, but where's the creativity? Mm-hmm. It's like, what are you really doing other than just being super vulgar and performative about it? Like that takes work. Yeah, I think, and I don't know if you're just talking about stand-up comedians, but I think Amy Sedaris is a woman who I consider extremely funny. Mm. Um, but she doesn't do stand-up. I 
but I another one actually is just coming to me now. I think uh, Sandra Bernhard was really funny. Um, her HBO special and how Didn't see it. it's I mean mm-hmm. it's from I want to say the, the I think it's pretty sure the nineties really. maybe early two thousands. But she and I've seen her live twice. First time really funny. Second time a bit drab. Um, okay. But I think like her David Letterman appearances in the late eighties, early nineties were genius. I mean, it was really like, it was really like you know, unraveling, untethered mm-hmm. sort of like live TV, which she would do. You know, she'd throw out the bit and just like be crazy and wacky, like things I don't feel like you could ever get away with mm-hmm. today. Not even because she was being controversial on some of it, she was, but because she was. Uh, she was just being too wacky, yeah. too like uncivilized, and that which is what made it so funny. And like, she, if she did a bit and it didn't work, she'd acknowledge it. She'd like blame Dave and be like, "Well, you, like you didn't really help me along there, Dave." You know, it was like yeah. it was uh, really transparent, and I think that's relatable and that's funny. I mean, things going wrong, we can relate to that, but like yeah. acknowledging it in the moment on live TV made it funny. Um, I think when these people get political is when it really becomes unfunny when it's like on their Instagram posts. It's like out here canvassing in South Maine. We need this election. It's like, whoa. Oh, God. I like that's when I'll unfollow someone. (laughs) Like that's. Yeah. That's the line in the sand. Yeah. For me. Um, yeah. Like I think of people like Lisa Lampanelli, who made a name for herself being super politically incorrect, like very sexually crude. Mm-hmm. And then she has this this big conversion where she's like, "Oh, I'm offending people, and I now I want to be nice and build people up." And I'm like, "This is." I hate to say, but I think like this is such a womanly thing that like. Mm-hmm. You go there, you take the risk, and you realize, yeah, but this does have the potential to hurt people's feelings, so now you're going to back away. And I'm like, mm-hmm. ah, you don't have to. Yeah. If you feel the need to, great, but you were funny while you were doing all that stuff. Right. Very, again, very crude, like very base humor, not super intelligent, but yeah. somewhat funny. Well, it's like I just recently saw an interview with, um, an old interview with Ricky Gervais, mm-hmm. and he was just saying that, like, you know, no people are alike. So it's absolutely impossible to do stand up and not polarize people. I mean, it's yeah. like if you are considering being kind to all people, it's it's like impossible to be funny then. Yeah. I mean, you it's what do you because just you can't say anything. You can't say yeah. anything for real. That's and, what happened. Like so I I went to see this guy Rami Youssef a couple weeks ago who like I really do think he's brilliant because not only is he critiquing like political cultural stuff but because he's Muslim brings in this kind of existential critique. Mm. Um, and he was saying something about like, he was kind of shitting on both Democrats and Republicans. And he was saying, you know, as a Muslim, like, yeah, I know ISIS is bad, but you know, there are a lot of the stuff ISIS says is kind of good. Like when you listen to the first half of these like beheading videos, they're saying stuff against, you know, the regime of Western elites trying to oppress you know, underprivileged people. It kind of sounds like a Bernie Sanders promo mm-hmm. ad. Mm-hmm. And most of the people were laughing, but when I left, some, like, white guy was like, oh, my God, how dare you compare Bernie Sanders to ISIS? Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, it's offensive, but you're going to a comedy show because you have a sense of humor. Right, right. Like, it's why not... are you going to a comedy show if not to be offended and then laugh about it? Yeah, but these are the same people who, like... 
transformed or helped to transform like universities. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to go any place that's going to make me under, uncomfortable. That doesn't already align with my thinking, my rationale, my reasoning, uh, my concern with like being good, being nice, being kind, everyone being included, you know, equality and, 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 um, it doesn't work. Yeah. Like, it's not funny to you because that mentality doesn't work within that context. It's just, it won't be funny. Yeah. You won't laugh. Mm. Um, it's same thing at the university. You won't learn. <laughs> like you won't, yeah. you won't, under, you won't understand the world. You won't, you, you know, you can't, I don't know. You, you, you just can't like be mentally and cognitively like coddled yeah. and, and possess a sense of humor and possess sort of, um, a taste for nuance yeah mm. so just to bring things back to mm -hmm. the iffy most of a lot of what um it covers has to do with life in new york city mm -hmm. so i just want to ask you more about so first of all how long have you been living in new york i've been here 12 years 12 years yeah okay so i only lived in new york when i was an undergrad so like four years more or less um, but I'm in and out of the city constantly. Right. So for you, mm, since it does make up most, most of the content in the paper, what do you see happening in the city? Like what, um, what's striking your interest? What's, uh, I don't know. What are you observing in the last couple months in the city? Mm, I think it's interesting. I think that, um, what do I see? Wow, there's like so much. Um, I, I think, God, I like really am now realizing how much it's annoying that I keep going back to this, but I think amongst young people, not all of them, I wouldn't say the majority of them by any means, but like from, you know, Red Scare, the law, and everyone from there, like Dime Square, and like yeah. um, selling out talks, selling out spe uh, speeches, selling out interviews, the John Waters thing, the mm -hmm. all this. It's like, well, wow, interesting, interesting time. There's, 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 um, I don't know if you want to say there's a vacuum, there's an opening, there's an opening there, I think, for young people who are so like fed up with a yeah. certain way in which they're told to think, you know, believe, vote or whatever. Um, and I think, and you had, you, you mentioned this, who are also annoyed and fed up by like performance mm -hmm. i always like people that were like i just voted yeah. stickers or whatever <laughs> like they fail to see the propaganda kind of like quality of this and also i mean when i saw the i got vaccinated sticker yep. after like i voted i'm just like anonymity is like it's not a currency it's not it's it's not a goal it's not like I mean, who, who cares? Who cares? Who cares if you voted or if you didn't? But I, I understand it's to it's to promote like an interest and an intrigue or like feeling I'm left out. Everyone's voting. I need to vote. I see it everywhere. Like yeah. I, I need to go vote. Um, these are dumb people. No, um, but like to, to see to see that then that exact same I don't know, mode of propaganda and with the vaccine. I don't know. It's just like, I was just like, whoa, that's crazy to like go to a restaurant with a, a, an outfit that you picked out and to like patch that up with like, I got <laughs> vaccinated. Like, what yeah. are you trying to 
convey. I mean, it, it, the obvious. It's the same. Yeah. It's the same shit with everything. It's you know virtue signaling. Look what I did. I'm good. I'm yeah. look look. I participated. I'm a good citizen. But uh, what I like in New York is that there is this intrigue and this interest. Even watching like that video of the girls Anna and Dasha like with um, John Waters. I think mm -hmm. at the beginning they were talking about, or maybe John Waters. I don't remember exactly, but about like being able to have free speech and like say what you want and like people in the crowd like cheered and I was like oh shit like that's in Brooklyn like down down the street you know what I mean like that's cool like that's awesome I also feel like that's why I started iffy I was like well this is like the time this is like the time yeah this is the time like there are things shifting amongst you I mean if you're talking this is like gay young fashionable hip downtown people like having these conversations um and I was like I want to seat at the table you know mm. I want to seat at the table um this is like you, they do it now you know print it now find the writers now um because i think it is a shift so i think that's exciting it obviously makes me feel less polarized and isolated i feel for the first time that because there are a number of gay men who um that i know that are like thinking like this and by the way like there are people who four years ago whatever that i know my personal life i've known for years who I mean, have totally flipped mm -hmm. and, and changed, uh, which is like kind of cool. Like, yeah. because I think they realize, like, for one, one, for example, owns a theater company mm -hmm. and she is of a, of a particular age. She's actually like 60, she's born and raised in New York City. Um, but I know her th through a bunch of young people, collaborators, mm -hmm. creators, writers, and things like that. They actually put the work out there. They really helped me, like, because they have a good publicist getting a write up in. I got a little write-up in The New Yorker, Time Out, things like that. And anyways, like a couple years ago, she was like, it has to be like a feminist, you know. Uh, it was all, all, you know, she just hit all the boxes of what yeah. her theater company could be. And then we had lunch, not this past summer, but no, yeah, this past summer. And she's like, I can't fucking do this. Yeah. I can't. I was like, yeah, because you can't exist within the parameters of what you're supposed to make. Eventually, it becomes so narrow mm -hmm. and so constructed that you find yourself having to write things that you are being told to write. Yeah. I mean, like, what is that? What artist? That's why I said to any artist or writer, like, do not sign on to the bandwagon of even how, don't sign on the bandwagon of of, of uh, this self-censorship because eventually like you will have to do it too no matter how much no matter how unjust you think a particular topic or article or film a documentary is it doesn't matter just don't watch it just don't read it if yeah. that's what you need to do um, so what I see in New York is like a, a, a different a, a shift and the mentality amongst people, specifically people who create. And that is like awesome for me because I feel less isolated and polarized. And I have to remind myself that at times when I do feel super isolated, for example, like where I work, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like one guy recently like mentioned that he voted for McCain back in what, 2008 or whatever. And this other guy was like, I work with both these people. And he was like, oh my God, how could you do that? And I was bitch, let that, let that man vote for McCain. Like, first of all, bitch, you talking about something years ago. Okay, number one. And number two, what's it to you? Like, yeah. he voted for McCain. McCain didn't win. It doesn't even matter the outcome. The point is, is like, I'm not interested in assaulting someone else's agency or autonomy. Like, and I've always felt that way mm -hmm. about anything. And I know that's like super controversial these days, but like getting vaccinated, I'm literally like, I don't care if you get vaccinated. Yeah. And then this like correlation, this like direct <laughs> correlation they draw with, but they're killing you. Like people really believe that. They're like, but they're killing you. And it's like, not my, I don't care if they vote. Yeah. I don't care if they get vaccinated. I don't care. My world is minute and small. And they're like, but then you don't care about your neighbor. I'm like, dude, you don't either. 
Trust me, yeah. you don't. That is some bullshit PBS. That's the next sticker you're gonna have. Like I care about my neighbor. When I'm always like, you don't. So that's a. I mean, that's a long answer to just say that. I. That to me is the most, um, personally important kind of like thing I'm noticing in New York right now that I never thought that I would like these podcasts coming out of like New York. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like going yeah. back to what you're saying, like two young like white chicks talking about like black people you know, in a way that's neither derogatory, but that's also not just like social justice, performative, like mm-hmm. pro BLM, like all the way. And you live in downtown New York, yeah. like next to the projects around young people, NYU students, all of that. And I'm just like, okay, cool. There's, there's, there's a new table being set. And I'm like, I'm interested, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Other than that, where do you like to, what are your favorite spots in the city? Where do you like to go? Number one, home. <laughs> I love home. Um, and I kind of keep to myself. Like, yeah, I have longtime friends here and stuff. Um, I just joined this new gym, this like nice gym in uh, Williamsburg. Mm-hmm. It was actually cost effective for me. But I do a lot. I, li- I go to the gym five days a week. I like going to the gym. As far as like neighborhoods and stuff, I like, I live in Brooklyn. I've been like, I think when you've been here 12 years and you're in your mid 30s, I'm just going to, like, hang around, like, where I'm close to, you know, so for me, like, like, I kind of say in, like, Greenpoint, Williamsburg, Bedside, Clinton Hill, Fort Greene, it's literally, like, a straight line up, down, like, and so, and those parks that accompany those areas, McGorlick, and I don't know if I should be saying all this, come and, (laughs) come and get me later, but, um, but I also, like, obscure places that you don't find yourself in often but when you do i'm very intrigued by it and one of these is and i put this in the the last issue is um like midtown east you go there and you're like wait what this is wild it's like they call it like turtle bay if you obviously if you go down to the 30s it's like murray hill Mm -hmm. and um you know there's just all these kind of like embassies and um you know, like the restaurants aren't super chic. That you can see the efforts and what they do try to be. And I don't know. After being here for twelve years, and perhaps part of getting older, um, you're not always looking for like the hippest kind of thing. I'm I'm looking for the strange kind of thing. You know. And I was like, my mom was just visiting, and she was staying on East Fifty First, all the way at the water. I was like, wow. And I like left the apartment one night. It's uh, Saturday night, like at 1130. So people are out and people are like out in that neighborhood. I'm like, mm-hmm. where are you going? You know, yeah. besides some like old school Irish bar. And also everyone's wearing the like chaps plaid collared <laughs> shirt and, you know, like a, um, a land's end down vest with some like khaki dockers and some loafers. And you're like, yeah, I could judge this all day long and be like absolutely cynical about it. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like I'm very intrigued by it. It's so out of my world or like the people that I hang out with or know. And that I have a lot of respect for in New York. The, these, the intersection, I hate that word, <laughs> of, of like how many different like yeah. groups of people, individuals or communities can live here. And it's like, I was talking to my friend about it. And, and so another place that I like that I never thought I would say is like the Upper East Side. Yeah. You, I, and that's just because I don't spend any time there. So when I do, I'm just like, wow, this is old New York. And I'm and like into that, you know, yeah. uh, I'm like into rich people. I mean, as as subjects, how can I not be? You know, it's just like, whoa, these people are so miserable, but like dress it in such 
what, what they never perceive as like gaudy, I don't know, just, I don't know, a, a gaudy sensibility, like aesthetically. And like when I was like eating with my mom up there at this like old school Italian spot, just like the facelifts and the furs, <laughs> like they still believe in like yeah. the real furs and um, the clutch on the table <laughs> and the like horrible attitude to the waiters yeah. that that I hate. But also as a subject, not morally, you know, judging it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, this is so wild. Like, this is really wild. And I've also like regained, um, I like where I live because it's a good pivoting point, mm -hmm. sort of like for northeast uh, or northwest like Brooklyn. But I like that I can jump on the JMZ and be on the Lower East Side. Like a neighborhood that I hated and sometimes still do, but I can go to like Metrograph yeah. and watch a cool flick. And again, and that probably goes back to the sort of dime square sensibility of young people that are, I mean, it's interesting because it's like young people that are okay with being irreverent, but not in the sense that like mainstream pa paints like irreverent youth that's like stealing, you know, drinks from their yeah. parents and like having wild sex. And it's like, I don't know, I think they're a little more apathetic than that. And, yeah. and that's interesting to me. I mean, aesthetically with dress, mm -hmm. there's like, there's, there's an investment in like dressing apathetically, like choosing, you know, choosing things that kind of make you look disheveled. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I, I don't know, there's intrigue and interest in that. I, I was like saying to my friend for the first time, I've never been a part of like a community or a group and I don't want to like pander here, but I was like, it's interesting that there's like younger people who are a bit disheveled living in like a hip downtown neighborhood who want to have conversations about theology and mm -hmm. literature and art and who like to like show up on podcasts and speak and go to events where there's like people you know being interviewed and stuff like that is cool in a way that is uh not tethered to academia like i mean of course people love to do that in an academic setting because it comes with social accolades of like mm -hmm. how involved are you how interested are you you know what is your place on this campus where it's like wow these people are just kind of like doing it they're just like bartending and serving or whatever and yeah some are affluent and they don't have to do any work be shady and name some people <laughs> but i won't yeah. and that's interesting so yeah and i and, the, and it also with the seasons it changes in the summer i like to go to the beach mm -hmm. i usually go to like reese not necessarily like the queer part because it's just a party that I often didn't bring a present to. So I just like go up the beach a little bit. Um, queer people can be hard for me, but that's <laughs> probably a whole another podcast. And I would consider myself like queer leaning and like have queer friends who are, are much more invested in that sort of like yeah. community and uh, community boundaries. That's the problem. Once I like see the boundaries, I'm yeah. like, mm, this ain't this ain't not gonna work you know like but um i love museums love Which, what's your favorite i mean the met like how yeah, can you not, how can it not be course. the met i mean yeah i love i do like going to the whitney i won't say i love going there i do really like going to moma mm -hmm. um i've never really loved new museum um and there's some that i haven't been to that i'd like to go to um i've never been to guggenheim um, it's interesting yeah I you, mean, you would appreciate it yeah i feel like yeah i should go. i love going to dia beacon upstate Wait. it's like in beacon dia it's like one of my favorite i've never heard of it it's 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 where it's like worth going it's just uh -huh. like these big 
large kinds of kind of um exhibitions and yeah. and and it's cool like with i don't know the artist's name but the guy that did the uh the world trade center or the twin tower you know the water falling oh, into like yeah. oh, he okay. has something there that's like actually yeah it's that that's probably like my favorite museum to go to it's always like fun like the train ride is gorgeous it like goes along you know the hudson and and the town's cute and small and like we always get like donuts from this like homemade donut place oh, and then go to dia and like get super high and like walk around and see the same shit we've seen 50 times and be like yeah. oh my god it's amazing it's like art every time you look at it you see something you never noticed before <laughs> so okay so to wrap things up yeah where are people gonna get the iffy how do they get a copy so you go to um there, there's many ways so it's like in a lot of coffee shops and galleries but if you're not in new york or if they're not in the coffee shops people took them or whatever you can email me at contact at the dash iffy.com. You can DM me on, on Instagram, which is the handle is underscore the iffy underscore. And yeah, I'm more than happy to like mail anybody a physical copy. You just send me your address and you, as you know, yes, I just pop, I plop it in the mail and. And yeah, I'm excited for the future of it. Like me too, for sure to see, I mean, if I could do everything I wanted to, or if I had like an endless amount of money, I would be having like symposiums and, you know, I'd be interviewing, I would have access to people that I want access to, to have interviews for. I'd love to to do some investigative stuff with like Mm -hmm. journalists and I'd love to have a video component in, Mm -hmm. in the future, but like, I'm not getting ahead of myself and I'm not, and I'm not really looking I know some people are like, this reminds me of like early vice. And it's like, (laughs) dude, I don't like really have a a blueprint Mm -hmm. or an archetype that I'm like referencing. I really, I'm just like in the moment and being like, I hope I can just afford to put this next one out. You know what I mean? Just financially. But yeah. So, okay. So social media, you said it's, uh, yeah. Instagram is underscore the the iffy underscore. Okay email contact at the horizontal dash iffy.com um or you could just go to www.the-iffy.com there's you know the contact stuff's on there and yeah awesome well brennan thank you for joining us thank you for having me yes it was abby (laughs) bay and we hope you've been sufficiently scandalized yes yes